Welcome to the Ahsoka Podcast. We're the Lorehounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Star Wars Disney Plus series, Ahsoka, Season 1, Part 6, Far, Far Away. In this podcast, we'll be doing a character-based analysis of the episode and answering listener feedback. We've also got another great voicemail from Alicia about Night Sister lore. Ooh, spooky. I'm already getting chills. If you've got feedback, you can email us to starwars at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website. And there you can either use the contact form or the voicemail feature. You can also chat with us on our Discord server. We've got a special channel set up for Ahsoka and a general Star Wars channel. We've got a fun and welcoming community, and we look forward to chatting with you there. You can find links to the feedback and Discord links in the show notes. Lots of good chatter in the Discord. <laughs> the moment the episode drops, it gets, uh, gets jumping in there. And we're usually recording when the episode drops, so we get we get this uh, flood of of messages. And you should definitely, <laughs> <That's right>. yeah, <laughs> you should definitely check this out. Oh yeah, we're running to the TV right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Hey, if it uh, works for you, uh, consider subscribing to our Patreon for as little as three dollars a month. You can get early and ad free access to all of our podcasts, as well as a ton of other exclusive benefits. If you don't mind ads, you can always find us on all the major podcasting platforms and Spotify and YouTube. Oh, my. Uh, We have a dedicated Star Wars feed set up. So if you're only interested in a galaxy far, far away, you can subscribe just to that. Or you can find our main feed where we publish everything. You can search for the Lorehounds to subscribe to that today. Also, please rate and review. This helps our visibility. And the more people that listen, the better we are able to produce all the different projects that we've got going on. And sometimes that feels like a lot. But, you know, we love doing what we're doing. So, yep, yep. This is a general purpose spoiler warning. We're going to talk about everything related to Star Wars, all the animated series, all the books that we've read, anything. So while we're newer to the deeper lore of Star Wars, we're pretty eager fans, you know, we're we're always looking to learn more about this world, and we appreciate when people write in with deeper context about this universe. John, what was first just a dream has become a frightening reality for our enemies, as Thrawn said. What did you think <laughs> of the episode? I thought it was great. I thought uh-huh. it, uh, it was Rebels. It was just a Rebels episode, <laughs> which was awesome. I mean, uh-huh. I love Rebels, and they did a really great job bringing everyone to life. It was surreal to hear the animated voice of Thrawn oh, I bet. become yeah. live action. I went, ooh, ooh. That, it like triggered something within me. You know, it That's triggered what I- a, an emotion within me. That's what I think is great is about this lawn, the lawn, this lawn, this lawn that he delivers, this line that he <laughs> delivers, which is what was just a dream has become a reality. It's such yeah, a great yeah. little wink and a nod uh, in the dialogue to the, you know, the, the fact that we're actually getting this right. show and we're getting rebels brought forward in this way. Yeah. I mean, Lars is just bringing it mm-hmm. to the Thrawn character. He's terrifying. He's he's blue as we dreamed, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's red eyed. He's blue, daba deeb, daba da. Um, but yeah, he's he's red eyed. He's he's terrifying. He's always calm, mm-hmm. and that is part of the intimidation of him. Yeah, and right. I appreciated that they did that. I appreciated that he wasn't just capricious about mm-hmm. everything. You know, he wasn't just mean to Sabine when she came. You know, no, right. no, no need for hostility. You know, we're yeah, not, yes. gonna honor the deal. <laughs> uh, really great characterization. I thought Sabine was just as bratty as she should have been. 
she has no time for him. <laughs> she's just like, F you, dude, you know? Right, exactly. She's just like, can you just tell me where this guy is? Because <laughs> I'm getting frustrated. But yeah, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, I didn't miss Ahsoka at it, honestly. Right, <laughs> Barely no. in her own episode, and, and it worked for that's me. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, storytelling is storytelling. And yeah. some episodes, you know, we're going to do different stuff. Yeah, how about you? I am really enjoying the series. I was thinking about this larger question of what this show means for Star Wars at large. I can say um, I was watching it with my spouse uh, the other night and she asked me like, oh, like, is this is, you know, what what's your what's your vibe on this? How are you liking it? And really, it was just her way of secretly checking to see like, hey, you know, this is becoming my big favorite show mm-hmm. of the Star Wars canon. How about you? You know, like, you know how we like compare our opinions to other people yep, like yep. that. So it's, I think it's hitting on a number of cylinders and it for, for not just the animated fans, but I think in the general population, I think it's working. Yeah. Uh, and I think, and then I was trying to think about all of the television, right? Just setting aside the movie and just looking at the shows that we have. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting up there for me pretty high, and this episode really cement is is just was another rung in the ladder of it climbing up in my estimation. And I think we can say, and I think you were saying this too back when we were watching Andor, like we can have these, you know, you identified this that that we can have different Star Wars stories in the same canon, exactly. And, and I think where Andor gave us that gritty noir spy you know at what cost you know what what do these choices and these 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 decisions cost us as people to seek greater good and we got mandalorian and we've got sort of the lone wolf cub vibe going on there and exploring more of the the jedi and mandalorian cultures and over here this feels really mythic and mystical and and spiritual in these mm-hmm. interesting ways and i and it's almost like i you know i'm not going to compare book of boba or or obi-wan so much those were uh, you know they're they're working some stuff out i think i think we're we're, we're hitting a <laughs> yeah. new level here yeah and this is this the mystical or mythic aspect of star wars to me and it's working and i'm really enjoying what they're they're doing i i, I like how they're using the music which is so good. And I think they took that lesson from Andor. We can do different things with music and it really has mm-hmm. an impact on us. The organs for Thrawn were so great, so on, ominous. I mean, I think I think that might be from Rebels too. I think the okay. organ sound, I, I somebody checked me on that, but I think I, sure. I recognize that I felt like it felt familiar. Okay, even even so, it, it's working. And I think they're really taking the lessons learned from Andor in, in, in the way that Andor used its music uh, over here. Um, if not taking lessons, you know, building on what what is possible from from that. Because the music in Andor really struck me as something new and unique and playing yeah, with different kinds yeah. of sounds and stuff. But then, like, for this episode, we have this great pacing device. We've got a ticking clock. We literally have a ticking clock in the music on the last scene. Mm. There's a TikTok sound. Nice. Um, but this great, you know, we've got three rotations to deliver the cargo and for Ahsoka to show up. Um, and so I just feel, but I, but I also like the the slower pacing because it allows that mythic quality to arise and these long when the bad guys are staring 
off into the distance or looking at a star map very seriously. Right, right. It works that we're moving at this more plodding pace rather than a, a quick pace. Yeah, you so, know, something that I was very surprised at was I could have seen this be episode two or three. Mm. I could have seen this be the setup for a whole season. Interesting. And it and we have two episodes left after this. Right. To wrap this up, <laughs> to put a neat bow on this. It's going to end, I think, it's... I'm my fingers are crossed for a dynamic and exciting last couple of episodes. I really want two hours each. Yes, exactly. Well, that's funny. I was thinking about this too, watching on my little screen with my earbuds for my, my second watch. I I had this thought, I you know what? I would love to take the, you know, it, well, they stretched it out for eight, right? There's a, a rumors about an original six episode, but then they wanted eight. So they cut it up. But anyway, just, Take all the episodes from the season, chop it up, and then put it on a big screen and give me like a two-part movie or something like that. Right. I would love that experience with a big surround sound on a big, clean, crisp screen. Man, that would just be awesome with the Thrawn Star Destroyer coming in overhead and whew, yeah, it would have been good. <laughs> would have been. Unfortunately, we don't right now. We'll see. Maybe <laughs> maybe they will been. one day. Maybe they'll do it like ahead of the Filoni-verse endgame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. We'll see. Um, I, I will say I was... I was a little surprised uh-huh. by, by Hu Yang uh-huh. coming in with... <laughs> in, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. I, I see people saying... Is Hu Yang the writer of the no. Star Wars crawls? Is yeah. that is that going to be canon no. in universe now? <laughs> it's just it was just I think it was just a fun wink line. Yeah, a, I think a winky so too. wink line. You know, but I think um, I think it's fun to think of it that way. What did what did Demerzel say in Foundation? Um, Long ago, not very far away. Which I not love. Away, right? I yeah. love that we've got these multiple shows in operation right now playing and talking with each other in this kind of way, even if it's not intentional. It's just still for fandom. It's just great fun stuff. Long ago, but not far away. I also, there was one other thing I wanted to mention in general thoughts, which Mm. was I'm seeing a really weird discourse on like Twitter and Reddit about this where, Uh you know, I think it's good natured. I think it's, it's well intended to say, you know, I'm concerned people aren't going to like this if they haven't watched rebels, if they haven't watched the animated series. I think it's getting to a point of almost gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think yeah, it's yeah, warranted. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. really don't think it's warranted. I'm seeing people all across the spectrum enjoy the show. Let's not keep telling people that they can't enjoy Agreed. it Agreed. if they haven't watched the animated series. I don't think that's true. I don't I just don't think it's true. I think perhaps you will get different feelings out of it if you watch the animated series. Like I got a deeper feeling by mm-hmm. Thrawn mm-hmm. and by seeing Ezra than somebody who didn't watch the animated series. But that doesn't mean they won't enjoy it. It just means they're going to have a different experience. Oh, who's this? What do they have to offer? Wow, this mm-hmm. seems to be Sabine's friend. You know, it's it's. I, I think we can, we can be a big tent here as a Star yeah. Wars fandom, as an audience. And let's not, let's not be weird about people enjoying it in different contexts than us. I, I wholeheartedly endorse that opinion. And case in point, my spouse, she said, you know, look, this is great. This is quickly becoming my favorite show. And she's not seen any of the animated. Right. And, and barely knows who some of these other characters are. She knows Ahsoka from 
the Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but it's working. So if it's working, yeah, there's no need to, we as the fans could say, oh yeah, so in this episode of this show, this thing happened and this is why this is that. Isn't that cool? And then the people can go, oh wow, that's amazing. So rather yeah. than gatekeeping, we can actually be enablers. We can actually help people mm-hmm. enjoy it. And you know what? Maybe a, a they level. say, I really liked Ezra and Sabine's relationship. Is there more on that? Yeah, you got four seasons. Right. Great. Go to this episode. Go to yep. that episode. Yep. Right. You know, so. Yep. Yeah. There's going to be a long time before season two if one exists, because I don't I'm not still I'm still not sure <sighs> if this is supposed to be a one off or if this is supposed to be a multi-season show. Do we that, know for sure? We're going to find out. I have. I do not know for <laughs> sure, and we're going to find out in two episodes. <laughs> okay. So in two weeks. My we'll point know, is, if there is season two, yeah. it's not coming for a long time. So you will have time to watch Rebels if you are interested in these characters. Right. If, if you're hungry for for more. Yep. That's a right. good thought. All right. I think that's enough general thoughts. Yeah. David. So I th- what we thought we would do for this episode is rather than do the uh, scene by scene, we'll kind of do um, a character by character. So under a miscellaneous category, we've got uh, Hu Yang and Ahsoka, right? There's just a short scene with them. Then we've got a bunch of stuff about Night Sisters because they, they didn't form, they formed an important part of this episode, but they weren't at the core of it. And we've got a great uh, voicemail from uh, Alicia about that. And then we've got, we should make some creature notes about the the turtle people and the space whales and howlers and things. Mm-hmm. But then other the other major topical areas are Thrawn and his forces, Balin and Shin, and then Sabine and Ezra. And then we can just talk about our, our thoughts, feelings, and ideas about those different areas as we go through. Right. All right. Sounds good to me. Okay. So uh, Huyang and Ahsoka... Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's not much to say. I mean, we covered the far, far away thing. So I, I do like this whole counseling that Huyang is giving because, okay. you know, he's not a force user, right? He's a droid. He'll, he'll yeah. never feel the force, but he's worked with force users for thousands of years. Mm. He, he has an idea of how it works just from mm-hmm. observing. Interesting. It'd be interesting and, for like it, it makes me think of Demerzel watching humanity and having opinion of of humanity for eighteen thousand years. So right. how old is Huyang and how how old is mm-hmm. and and his memory of of and what sort of patterns and conclusions is he drawing from from this long period inspiration or uh, observation? Right. So I, I think sometimes an outside observer can see things that the people on the inside can't see. Right. Absolutely. And so Huyang is coming in with a lot of experience watching a lot of people struggle with the forest, struggle with what it can do for them, struggle with what it can't do for them. And I really liked how he comforts Ahsoka here, you know, saying it's not going to, it's not going to change her answer. It might just provide her more information when making her decision. Insight, not answers. The force gives insight, not answers. That was a great line. And also he's very understanding with her. He goes, maybe that was the only choice for her. You know, he, she needed to get to Ezra. Mm hmm. And Ahsoka, I, I think we learned in the last episode, she's had a lot of trauma. She was a child soldier. Mm-hmm. Her mentor, best friend, turned to the dark. Her other best friend tried to sell her out to prison. And she has a lot of trouble understanding why anyone would do, you know, go to yeah, these lengths point. to get to an individual. And I really liked when Hu Yang says, because Ahsoka says, well, she's doing it for herself. This was a choice for herself. And he goes, that's your fear. He mm. puts that on her. 
mm-hmm. not on Sabine. He says, that's your fear that she's being selfish. You don't know she's being selfish. Maybe she has a deeper reason. Maybe she thinks that finding Ezra is the key to something better, but you are letting your emotions rule how you view Sabine. And, you know, fear is the path to anger, right? Right. And anger is the path to the dark side. I think that he really calls her out here as saying, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you are not giving yourself enough responsibility and you're putting too much, too much blame on Sabine here. It's um, it's a very human thing to do is to uh, attribute something that we're feeling or thinking onto somebody else and not actually listen mm-hmm. to the other person, actually be present with what their experience is. We're, we're, we're grappling with our own um, emotional and intellectual responses to things, and then we project that out rather than setting that aside and then listening and and Huyang is not a person. <laughs> he doesn't have a brain in the biological sense that that we do. So his his calling out this is a really great he'd be a great psychotherapist, right? He'd be a great, you know, psycho historian. Uh, psycho psycho historian even maybe. Yeah, very much so. So yeah, I think it's yeah. it's uh I think yeah. it's a really good call that you you make there that that and I think that's a big cornerstone of cornerstone of the story is this issue between Sabine and Ahsoka and them both dealing with their trauma. Right. And while yet needing to depend on each other and have this uh, master learner relationship, but, but can you be a learner or a master if you're dealing with your own stuff on top of the other person's stuff and being activated by their trauma? Like my trauma gets activated by your trauma. Right. Right. So. It's tough, and I think that Ahsoka has not really mastered her fear here. Not yet, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, which is is interesting because we saw her have a big breakthrough last episode, but she's still holding on to this idea that you know uh, Sabine is still a kid and needs to be watched and all right. that jazz. You can have a breakthrough, but you still need to do. There's still work to do, and there's right. still strengthening to to carry yourself forward in the face right. of uh, all the other stuff of life. And that's good writing, is that yeah. she did not have a sudden turn where yeah, she's yeah. magically healed of all I her agree. faults. Right. Yeah. She's yeah, that's I think that is a I think that's a really good call. That that's a realistic character trait that we can identify right. with. You're not just Well, I'm better, but not yeah. Sabine. <laughs> Would you like to have a Hu Yang's uh Star Wars history of the galaxy type story? Just turn it into an audiobook. I'll listen to David Tennant talk all day. All right. uh, he has he has a podcast actually called David Tennant does a podcast with dot dot dot, and oh, then he has different guests on, and it's actually everybody's a really good a podcast. podcast. Yeah, everybody's got a podcast, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's I could listen to him talk all day. So yeah, give, uh, it would be it a me. fun little like a vision or not a visions. Uh, what's the other? Where, what was the one that had Ahsoka and um, Tales of the Jedi? Tales of the Jedi, yeah, right? or or even just audiobooks. Just give me give me David Tennant talking. Could, about you could the have Huyang sitting by the fireside with a book open on his lap, and you know, come gather round, gather right. ye children. Uh, should we talk about Night Sisters? Toil and trouble. Lots of witchy witch witchiness going on. I would love to do, talk about Toil and Trouble. Should we play um, Alicia's voicemail now to set up our conversation? Good timing, because I just put it up in the, <laughs> in the soundboard. <laughs> Great, sure. let's do it. 
Yeah, let's do it. Alicia here, checking in to talk about my favorite Ahsoka episode so far, personally. Holy Triple Mother Talzin, they had me at Wolves and Witches, uh, but I also loved meeting the crappy turtle people, and uh, Ezra and Thrawn were perfect. Uh, the world between worlds is Teleron Riyadh confirmed. Um, and I'm so curious <laughs> to learn more about Howler. He doesn't quite look like a loath wolf, but could they be related? Ancestors? Can Howler tunnel through hyperspace? I need to know these things. Big question answered, though. The species from a distant galaxy is the Night Sisters themselves, which makes as much sense as anyone else teaching them what they know. And it makes sense uh, that they would use the Force differently than the Force users we usually see in our main galaxy. So sad, but so realistic to see how the two different types of Force users, the Jedi and the Night Sisters, judge and fear each other because they use the same tool differently, using words like witches and it to spit at each other. But cool to see some great mothers looking just as ethereally spooky as in Clone Wars. Uh, it's interesting that they apparently came from this misty but relatively less gloomy planet and ended up on a much darker Dathomir. I'm hoping we might get more of that story, if not in this show soon, because yeah, we know so tantalizingly little. Focusing only on the new canon, since there are quite a few differences from their Legends lore, what we did know before this is that the Night Sisters were associated with the planet Dathomir, familiar to all fans of the Clone Wars and the Jedi games. This is also the planet Maul came from, but the Zabrak men of Dathomir, the Night Brothers, uh, the ones with the horns, they were descendants of criminal exiles from another planet, Iridonia, where both men and women have horns. Um, the Night Brothers were kept separate from the sisters and trained to be warriors and servant protectors. And yeah, basically kind of kept on hand for breeding purposes. Um, they weren't treated very well. And they like to spend their time proving themselves by undergoing trials, like from fighting beasts to getting face tattoos. But this makes me wonder, were there any males of the species on Peridia or just not amongst those who left the galaxy? Um, what did the Dathomiri do before the Zabrak? Or have the other Zabrak just been setting their criminals there for generations? But yeah, when the Night Sisters got to the primary Star Wars galaxy, it makes sense they would be drawn to Dathomir, which is strong in dark power. Both the men and women of Dathomir were often strong in the Force, like Maul and his brother Savage, and yeah, Mirren from the Jedi games, and the former Sith Night Sister and best Star Wars character ever, Asajj Ventress. Check out the Clone Wars, the Maul comics, the Jedi games, and the books Dark Disciple and Battle Scars to learn more about them. Dathomir is also the home planet of the Rancor, the creature on Tatooine that Grogu bonded with during the um, Book of Boba Fett finale. This was a skill the Night Sisters also had, and this animal bonding skill is also how the ancient Night Sisters rode the Purgle, eventually winding up in our hero's galaxy. There was actually an offhand reference made to legends of witches riding space whales, I think, in the early seasons of Mando, so they've been building to this story for a while now. Anyway, the women of Dathomir, they grouped into clans and practiced uh, magic spelled with a CK and color-coded green on screen, and they called their leader's mother, like the three great mothers we met in this episode, uh, three like the three witches of Macbeth or the three fates. In fact, these characters are called Actropal, Clotho, and Lachesis after the fates of Greek mythology, Atropos, Clotho, and Lachesis. Uh, it's interesting that the old Night Sister religion also seems to feature a trinity based on their statues. These new Night Sisters were fully death Mary with the gray skin and black markings, which makes me wonder how human Morgan Elsbeth ended up in their ranks. 
But there is record of a Jedi exile called Alia living among the Death Miri for a while. Apparently, she's the one who especially taught them to hate Jedi. Anyway, by the time of the Clone Wars, their numbers had dwindled to a single united clan under Mother Talzin. Then Morgan was apparently there on Dathomir when the Night Sister version of Order 66 went down, with General Grievous leading the slaughter of almost all the Night Sisters because they'd pissed off Count Dooku, or perhaps, as Maul suggests at one point, because their magic was too dangerous if it fell into the wrong hands, the wrong hands being Dooku's master Sidious, aka Palpatine, whom he hoped to kill and take a spot one day. The most interesting aspect of the Night Sister magic, though, is that it very prominently features necromancy. There's a good chance that some of that cargo they're loading into Thrawn's ship is mummified corpses, and I, for one, would love to see a live-action Star Wars zombie battle. There's also been suggestion that almost all Night Sisters become forest ghosts. We've seen characters interact with Mother Talzin's forest ghosts multiple times in canon, for one. Not only that, but another Night Sister named Yenna from the Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark is basically a golem made from clay and shells and brought to life by the Night Sister who raised her. As one of the great mothers put it in this episode, after all, death and resurrection are common deceptions played out by both Night Sister and Jedi. So I'm glad to have this new piece of history added to the lore, but I have so many more questions now. I hope we learn more about how and why they left this galaxy so long ago, and how did the Great Mothers end up here now? Were they on Thrawn's ship when the Purgles took it, or were some Night Sisters still on this planet? And why do they want to leave now, just to invade, or is there something driving them away? And most of all, I want to know if we can pretty pretty please have an entire Night Sisters series set anywhere on the timeline is fine, or just like a whole Tales of the Night Sisters or story set in every age? Please and thank you. <laughs> yeah well, yeah whoo a lot a of big details one. there yeah. man also i need to say don't read battle scars <laughs> that was oh, really? on Alicia's <laughs> it's not good it's not okay. good i'm gonna be honest it's a book that takes place in between the two jedi fallen order video games okay um and uh they i don't know why but they it was not good anyway um great great lore dump here because it's they're they're some of the most fascinating cultures in mm-hmm. star wars are on dathomir and it's not explored in live action until now which right. is is really great to bring this into the mainstream and anyone who's like this isn't star wars will have to go through you know many clone wars and rebels arcs right <laughs> because uh it's been around for a long time funny you know i saw this twitter thread that said i remember when the purgles arc of rebels was considered filler. People thought it was filler. Uh-huh. And now this is a <laughs> staple yeah, of, it's, of it's this cornerstone. series. So people always say anything that Dave Filoni puts in, never write it off as filler right. because it could right. come back very easily. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to to see this new faction being uh, brought to life and it gives me, and I'm this is, I think, the, what a lot of common conversation is happening is is that um the ability for resurrection plays into the movies and we know that feloni is trying to um glue together the the sequel movies into the main canon so uh if this gives palpatine the ability to clone and resurrect himself and then of course we have uh, the cloning that's going on in mandalorian in the mandal mandalorian shows 
then this could be that missing piece that um, with the Night Sisters that brings it together. Yeah. That was a big question I had was, what is this cargo? And it didn't even occur to me that those things that the stormtroopers are moving could be coffins. That's fascinating. That is yeah, really yeah. an interesting theory, and I'm uh, thanks, Alicia, for that. That's that sort of changed my whole <laughs> opinion about what might be going on here. It's very cool. One thing I'll say is I don't think we've seen the Night Sisters bring back someone as like a person. It's more mm-hmm. like zombies. They're more right. reanimating corpses than they are bringing souls back. And I I, I don't know how they'll incorporate that in any kind of palpy nonsense, shiv nonsense, a uh, shiv, sorry, nonsense. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I think that they very well could be having a zombie army of con- of uh, stormtroopers. Well, we've got the whole Moff Gideon side of things, right? And uh, mm-hmm. as he was exploring, uh, trying to do that and, and getting force powers to be inherited, I guess you could say. So yeah, I could see... I can see building blocks. I mean, I don't know how it's going to yeah. go, but I could totally see how we're we're going to go from there with with Moff Gideon stuff. So. Well, we've got Filoni Endgame coming, so we know we know something's going to connect. Yeah, I, it's nice to have a consistent through line. You know, ha- having somebody with who who has a point of view and is taking at least one of the storylines and and going for it and. Um, I think that's nice. I, I like mm-hmm. that we're having we, we a, have a, a cohesive goal. story. Exactly. We have an endpoint. Feels nice. Yeah. Did you get any Mustafar uh, vibes? So Mustafar was the planet that Darth Vader yeah, yeah. Um, was on. In in um, not really not okay. from this because not not from the planet very... just from the just from okay. the big tower thing the way that the tower looked. Yeah, it was it was a little Visually. mystical, I guess. Sure. sure. Yeah, it was just visual. It was just a visual kind of thing. Yeah. And then I noticed too that the. The great mother had a uh, kind of a Dune esque voice, right? You know, with the sort of echo secondary, uh, you know, she would say, hello, 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 you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. And they can, I mean, and for them to be able to project across space time like that, that's pretty powerful. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so. I, I, I don't know any Jedi who could do that. And um, yes, magic, as she said, M A. G I C K. That's how how it's being spelled. That's how it's spelled in the subtitles, even of the episode. Okay. So nice. Ma- magic I didn't pick up on force. that. Yeah, and I've been seeing it around here and there. People referring to magic. So uh, let's quickly talk about the naughty. Um, that's the way it is spelled in the subtitles when the um, little crab people. Uh, yeah. So is that the naughty? Because I see, I see. They say speaking naughty. But yes. they say that for multiple people. They say that for the crabs. They say that for oh, I I think that. the bandits too. They say it for Oh really? Yeah. They it's like all over the place. So I'm like, who what is the not okay. who who actually made the language? Then I could be I stand corrected. Um and write in if you've got intel on this. I, I did a quick cursory search today, but I I couldn't find too much. So I was really just going off the the subtitles. But anyway, the the little um, crab nomadic people. We'll call them the escargo. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. I was going to ask you, do you think that their feet and their hearts are uh, proportional in size? <laughs> yeah, they are. They are a little hobbit-like, aren't they? Yeah. With, and we had an enlightened village, a idyllic pastoral village where, you know, everybody's happy. And we, we like you know, that. 
I mean, <laughs> it's it's not like I don't I don't think it was idyllic. I think they move around because they're constantly hunted by bandits. Well, yeah, and, of course. And yeah. these uh these wolf kind of things. They're they're called howlers, right? Those are yes, that's what howlers. they're calling them in the subtitles. Yep, yep. And and Ezra refers to it, and I think some. Oh else, right, yes, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Re- refers to howlers. So how you riding uh, the howler, lady? Um, and then people are making they're drawing comparisons to the Lothal wolves, which is from the animated series, mm-hmm. which has a whole there's a whole mythology thing tie in there. So are they wolfish in that same way? We don't know, but they're just you know I think Filoni's just playing with that vibe. I think he likes yeah the wolf thing. He sure does. Sure does. So star whales, space whales, purgles from Paradia, um, a space oh whale grave. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Got a lot of got a lot of proper nouns here. Yeah. So we get what Thrawn called them star whales uh, when he was saying to Morgan to you know uh, to exterminate with extreme prejudice or what have you. And we learn that uh, Paradia or Paridia, uh, I guess potato potato. Um, mm-hmm. is a space whale grave, which is interesting. Is that what those rings are around the planet? Are all space whale bones? Yeah, maybe. So, That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So interesting. So we've got we've got things being called whales here. So you know the the show is going with that that moniker. Yep. Yep. I, I'm still gonna call them purgles. All right. Fair enough. Cool. Well, let's talk about Thrawn and his forces, John. What was your general impression of the the reintroduction of Thrawn. It makes perfect sense to me that Thrawn was able to reassert power as soon as he was not being held by a whale. Uh-huh. I mean, it didn't seem like Ezra had the upper hand in any way except the fact that the whales were holding Thrawn and and keeping him moving. Right, I'm and sure this is as referenced soon as they got there. Yeah, the end of Rebels. Right, this is the last scene of the last well not the last scene, but the end of the main plot of of the Rebels animated series. Right. So if you missed that, we did describe it in our uh, Soka prep episode two coverage. Mm-hmm. But you could also just go watch the last episode of Rebels. It's really good. And um, yeah, so I, I think it makes sense that he probably had Ezra captured for a minute. Ezra escaped at some point uh, as, as Jabba the Hutt, since that's what he always calls himself in Rebels. <laughs> that was his, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I saw a lot of people were making episode six with no context. Uh, slideshows of uh-huh. you know, how people put like random images and they're like, this is the episode with no context. Uh-huh. So one of them was just job of the hut. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Right. Um, but anyway, I'm sure, you know, he escaped at some point and Thrawn was like, ah, who cares? He's just one guy. He can't defeat all my forces. And um, yeah, so it makes sense that he was able to sort of keep everyone in line. He's the grand strategist, right? And yep. Yep. Here he is. He's still in, con- in control. Uh, I'm very curious of how the ship got on the giant pillar. <laughs> right. I think it's just hovering there. I think it's just, just floating. Oh, I thought it was connected. No, no. I, I think they just, j- they just, um, hovered down over it. And, and so that the top just sort of matches so they can walk the, the cargo across. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Just like the way the Star Destroyers was, were hovering over, um, Oh my gosh, Rogue One. What's the the old Jedi planet where they were mining the the crystals? Yeah, uh, Jedi, I think, right? Was Jedi, that it? yeah, yeah, Jedi, yeah. That's right. So they were just hovering there. So I think they're just hovering uh, over the thing. So right. I, I on this okay. note about what you said about Thrawn being the grand strategist, um, I think 
you know, we, we get Thrawn, we get the organ, we get the, the, you know, wow, you know, everybody's paying these really powerful characters from Morgan to the Night Sisters, you know, to all his forces, everybody is uh, in subservience to him, right? So that, mm-hmm. that communicates to people if, you know, they don't know who Thrawn is from the animated series, this guy is, is powerful and there's a reason. Right. And then I think the thing that really cinches it later, right, we get little clues here and there, but then when he says to Morgan, I want to know everything about Ahsoka, who she is, who she studied under, where she was born, da 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 da. That's the thing that that was the really nice job of telling me who Thrawn is in a correctly embedded character moment. This is what right. he would do. I want to know right. everything about this subject, this person. I want to analyze their entire. I want to do a full galaxy brain three sixty on them. And then I'll be able to understand strengths and weaknesses and, you know, opportunities and threats. He can do SWAT assessments on them. Um, and uh, I, I thought it was a really nicely done piece of world building for people who don't know about. Yeah. Thrawn. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact that he's like, yeah, I'll honor your agreement. And he's, you know, going in all the loopholes. He's the eye to die. Yes. And yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll follow my oath, but, right. <laughs> but I'm then follow you and send somebody to kill you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although you did have Balin saying no harm will come to you. And he didn't send a time limit on that. Uh, that's true. So right. I don't know. Balin's not really following his oath either. Well, and I love this assessment that Thrawn makes about the Jedi and the Night Sisters. That they're at their heart, they're deceivers, that they're not to be trusted. Or you can trust them in this sense that they are not trustworthy. Right, right. right? You just have to use them for whatever ends you... you Knowing that they're going to change the goalposts. Right, yeah, they're going to change the goalposts on you. They're going to pretend to do this. They're going to fake you out that way. If I understand that that's in your character, then I can anticipate... And, and construct my, you know, whatever my plots mm-hmm. are in that regard. And that's really interesting when we think about when going back to the animated series, when we see why Ahsoka left the Jedi Order is because the Jedi were like, you're bad. You, you know, we think you blew up this, this thing. And then when they realized that they were wrong, they were like, oops, sorry, we're going to move the goalpost back over here. And hey, right, you can come right. back and be a Jedi and we'll all be happy again. Right. Um, and I think he's really putting his finger on, on that and saying yeah. Jedi aren't, you know, all that they're cracked up to be. Well, Thrawn, I would say, and I don't think they completely went deep into this here. I think you really need to spend some time with Thrawn for this. But you got to understand his motivations are definitely not to serve the Sith. He's not like a dark side user. He's not interested in furthering the goals of the Sith. He's not interested in, in, you know, worshiping some kind of dark side energy. He thinks that a a, a centralized power that Mm. is keeping a tight grip on a, a an area you know keeping a a, a a very tight regime going that is the most effective way to defend against outside forces and to run an efficient society he wants order not necessarily whatever palpatine wanted or whatever balin wants or whatever the yes, night sisters want right he's completely willing to use dark siders sith dark jedi whatever you want to call these people um right. To, for his own ends, but he's not interested in whatever is is the uh, you know the the forces he, of evils 
goals. He's interested in his own goals. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that makes him a more interesting villain. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's not, you know, your cartoonish bad guy. He actually, he often has a point, right? Is, is Mm -hmm. the Jedi were really ineffective guardians. The Republic was really ineffective at governing. Of course, I'm going to want an efficient, you know, single decision maker if I'm going to have something that can actually maintain control. So that's, Mm. that's his head, I think. It's not, it's not purely evil it's it's almost sociopathic right it's detached mm. from any kind of emotion it's i'll i will use whatever tools i need to to accomplish my goal so and he's a uh his species is called the chiss uh yeah. i believe if, yeah. if i'm correct and there's a whole right so can you be sociopathic if you're not a human like that's a human psychological trait but all aliens are just you know uh, reimagined they're, they're humans, humans with different colors yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, uh but interesting to to think about what his motivations are uh, like you say he's so methodical and so unflappable it's it really makes for a much more interesting villain as opposed to a hyperbolic over the top um you know uh crazy villain who's just you know random chaos right like emperor palpatine right <laughs> or uh i know this is going to upset you but um who's the robotic general that has all the army grievous. things grievous yeah who shouts all the time so he's he's got motivations it's just not made that clear in the uh, <laughs> in the live action so you were you like uh, Thrawn? He's working for you physically. I think he's great. Okay, I don't want him. I see your notes here. I don't yeah. want him to be this, you know, tough guy. I want him Mark to Strong. Be, I don't really know who Mark Strong is. Strong is. I did look him up to see a picture, and I don't recognize him at all. Okay, but what what traits are you looking for that are not here? Um, I th- there's. There's um, and and it's always been this way for me in in animation up till now. And I think you know what it is. I I know what it is. I think I saw a cover of a book somewhere at some point where Thrawn was drawn with a much more chiseled sort of granite, mm-hmm. angular face as opposed to a more uh, rounder, softer face. Okay. And I always thought that that seemed more imposing to me. I wanted Thrawn to be you know, physically dominant in in opposing. But now that I'm, you know, getting this different Thrawn, it's like, oh, well, maybe, yeah, he's different. Uh, But I just like Mark Strong. I just think he would be a great, uh, uh, he's got a great voice and he's got a great unflappable uh, style about him. So he he would work that way for me. So the red eyes. My my whole vibe with Thrawn is he doesn't need to be physically imposing. Exactly. And I think that's what I'm coming around to. He, he doesn't. Is, he is. He can use people who are physically imposing to do whatever he needs them to do. He doesn't right. need to do anything himself. Agreed. He doesn't need to lift a finger. He yeah. can keep his hands, you know, clasped behind his back the whole day, and the world will run around him doing his bidding. Yeah, which is terrifying, right? That right. He has that his aura is to that extent that people just right. fall into yes sir, no sir. How high? How high should I jump, sir? Which is a much different vibe than any other villain in Star Wars. Hundred percent. You know, 100%. all these people are jumping around with lightsabers and he's like, kill that man. You know, <laughs> that's, that's Thrawn. And the that's red Thrawn. eyes just really give the great menacing character. It, they, they made it look so that they almost are glowing. I was mm-hmm. ready for like heat waves to be coming out of his eyes. It looked so good. Yeah. Yeah. I do like good that stuff. they kind of made him old and paunchy too. <laughs> you know, he's been, you know, he's, he's yeah. aged. 
you know? Well, I mean, I think that's just because they wanted the same voice actor as Rebels. <laughs> but but it makes sense. Like, it, yeah. it, it, it yeah. works for me. And it goes along. Been a few years, yeah. Yeah. And he was also already of, you know, general status, admiral status, whatever, in the Clone Wars. He, right. He worked for Palpatine during the Clone Wars in canon. So he should be older. It does not yeah. make sense if he's not older, unless you want to say the Chiss have longer lifespans. Right, right. What did you make of the whole um, look of his ship and the troopers and uh, just that whole physical vibe to them? I thought it worked a lot better than Moff Gideon's stuff, honestly. Okay. Moff Gideon, I thought his troops looked cool, but I I, I never thought they looked cooler than the actual Empire, than Uh the OT Empire. This looks like something new. This looks like something grander. And it was scary. I thought it was it was legitimately scary. I mean, this the the Enoch face especially was like, mm-hmm. and which is West Chatham, by the way, right? Yep, um, yep. From the Expanse, and and yep. he's doing he's doing a great job. Although he hasn't really had many lines yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the uh, the whole uh, this uh, comparison is being made by a, a lot of people. I think uh, kintsugi, which is the Japanese art of mending objects using gold uh, okay yep, yep. so it, it just had that vibe the ship had that vibe to it and the stormtroopers with their that red strapping that they were putting on and the different colored bits and pieces of their helmets it, they looked absolutely terrifying their voices were different they were more gravelly and sort of uh, rough and so it, they did a really great job of of making me feel like yeah, these guys have been lost in another galaxy for a long time. They're making do. They don't have the supplies they're necessarily used to. Right. And it's getting rough. It's getting rough out here. Right. And uh, the struggle, <laughs> the struggle's real for them. And uh, they probably had some run. Who have they had battles with out there where yeah. they might yeah. have had to tactically retreat or duck and dive a little bit? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's. I think it's a, a really cool thing, even to the degree that uh, on the underside of a ship, which is called the Chimera, uh, I was just chatting with uh, some folks on the Discord and uh, in 20 uh, clued me in that there's a the, the, the pattern on the underside of a ship as we see him flying in is a picture of a Chimera. And this oh, goes cool. into yeah. deep uh, yeah. lore with with Thrawn. There's a whole bunch of you could go down a big rabbit hole. With yeah, this, and that's always been the symbol. name of his ship. And even in Legends, it was the Chimera. Yeah. So um, what's this about uh, Enoch? Enoch. So I I did a little bit of digging on this because Alicia specifically asked me to. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> we are the Lorehounds after all. Yeah, yeah. So e- Enoch is first of all. There's a book that was written in biblical times called the Book of Enoch, and it has largely been rejected by both Jews and Christians. Mm-hmm. It is largely not considered canon, though no one no one's that cranky about it, but um, it's very <laughs> mystical about it. Okay. It's very, very mystical, and it has angels and demons and and uh, like wars and mess- messianic writings and Nobody really knows what to do with it. It's basically just like a fantasy book about biblical topics. <laughs> and, okay. And it's crazy. It's wild. And there's there is in within the biblical canon of, you know, both both for Jews and Christians, uh, in Genesis, 
I pulled this quote because this is what makes Enoch such a mystical figure in general. This is Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. Got it. Although, actually, I think I'm starting with 21 here. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Mm-hmm. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. And here's the kicker here. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Huh. And so Enoch is the first human in the Bible that did not die, was taken by God. And this happens, I I believe, with Elijah, too. Basically, he just he just kind of nopes out. But this is a very mystical thing that is a very rare reference in the Bible. Usually humans are born and then they die. This is fascinating because Filoni is not someone to slip that detail, that name in if he if it doesn't have deeper meaning and clues to what might happen or, you know, other things going on down the road. I'm not saying that it's going to be a big thing, but I think he's careful about choosing these things. Yeah, and yeah. and so I think if it's small, if it's big, whatever, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a lore hound, I love it. That is fascinating and, and sure, yeah. uh, uh, very cool. I, I, I had no idea. And is Thrawn God a- here, right? Just taking Enoch away and, yeah. and saving him? Or, or yeah, what's going to happen? Who knows? But I, I, I love this and and this idea that in the Bible something like that happened, where God was just like, okay, cool, come with me. Yeah, <laughs> you yep, know, yep. you did, you, you did good. I'm happy. <laughs> bring you, right. bring you along. So, right, yeah, it's it's a super weird reference that nobody knows what to do with. Right, even within biblical writings, and uh, now we have now we have it in in Star Wars, of course. Well, John, maybe we should uh, take a quick break, and then when we come back, we can talk about Balin and Shin and Sabine and Ezra. All right. And we're back. John, let's talk a little bit about Balin and Shin. Uh, Balon, Balin, Balor? Balinor. Balinor. <laughs> Baleen. Um, this is, we're just making fun because we had a feedback last, uh, last episode uh, about our pronunciation of, of Balin. So, you know, we like to have a little fun on this podcast. So what did you think? Of, we got a lot of backstory and a lot of lore building here. What did you make of this all? I thought it was fascinating. I think that Balin is basically Ishmael from the Wheel of Time. He doesn't want <laughs> crossing the streams. Here we got he foundation. He doesn't want yeah Wheel of Time. He Dude. doesn't want to fight a war on either side. He wants to end the war for all time. Uh huh. That's what it seems like. He says there's a cycle, and I'm here to stop it. I'm here to break it. Yep. The beginning. I'm seeking the beginning. That is so on- ominous, and I right. love that. It's not a MacGuffin. It's not a map. It's not an orb. It's not a ring, a glove, what have right. you. It's a condition. It's a it's a state of of uh, process or being or something. I mean, I'm sure we'll get some physicality to what, right. whatever this is and whatever is calling him. When I did my rewatch and I got the line about, you know, can't you, you know, when he's talking to Shin and he's saying, 
can't you hear it? Can't you see it? I got chills. I literally got chills like, and I'm gutted, gutted. I just, every time I see Ray Stevenson on screen, I'm gutted that we don't get to see him play this character out further and further. Um, Cause he's so compelling. He's so interesting. Yeah. He's fascinating. I wonder if he dies this season on yeah. screen, because if he does, then, you know, that's the end of the story anyway. But if he doesn't, I don't know. Do you recast him? There was chatter in the discord about this and some people were throwing some names around and you were throwing, you were saying what um, I said, Brian Cox, just give me unhinged <laughs> Balin. Could we get a, 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 a Jack Nicholson Balin? Uh, I was, uh, I was thinking, you know, Brian Cox bring in the Logan Roy of, you know, yeah. this Jedi and Sith unfucking believable, you know, just, just really, <laughs> really go full succession with it. How about a Roy Kent Balin? <laughs> I could that see it. I could that would see be fun. It. Yeah. What do you Ted think? Lasso. Ted Lasso. Make it make it a Ted Lasso Balin. All right now. I, I really want to <laughs> Barbecue. Shin, Shin, you come with me now, you hear? <laughs> awesome. Uh what do you think about so so a couple of big mysteries here. What potentially are the the Night Sisters running from or and or what threat is is on this planet or in this galaxy? And or uh and or what is calling to Balin? Uh, what is he seeing and hearing? Probably hears Ishmael, but um, no, but, <laughs> but realistically, realistically, I have no idea. Maybe it's, you know, he's right. He's right that the Jedi were a complete failure. Uh-huh. So are the Sith. So are all of these cycles of war, which is part of why I'm disappointed that Disney has not gone into this idea that maybe we could have something more than the Jedi. Mm -hmm. something better than what the Jedi were. You have Luke having his school for magical children. Um, (laughs) You have, you have uh, now you have this Ray movie announced where they're going to have Ray and her school for misfit kids. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's just like professor X trains the Jedi. Right. Right. Exactly. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm done with the magical school for let's definitely shelter them from the dark side and only teach them the light. And that way, when they finally come into the contact with the dark side, they're completely tempted in our whole system. <laughs> and completely. Un- yeah. have no ability, have right. no immune system to fight off the, the right. The That's a good way bacteria. to put it. Yeah. 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 I, I think that this is Filoni's answer to what happens post, you know how you have post rock. <laughs> yes. You have, uh, you know, all these genres, what yeah. happens when you get to post Jedi? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and that's an interesting question question to to try to answer here. Do you think there's an entity out there that's calling him? I don't know. I don't know. You did have in Rebels. There was this. I can't remember the name. So somebody's going to write in, and then I'm going to. Yeah, this gray, um, the balance of the force, the one that trained Kanan in in the ways. Yes. Yeah. He was. He was this creature on the Rebel base planet that was very disinterested in light side or dark side. He was just the force. And the same thing with the Mortis arc in Clone Wars. You have the father as the balance in the force, and you had the the son and the daughter being the the dark side and the light side. Mm -hmm. And Anakin was asked by the father in that arc, do you want to replace me? You know, can you be the one who maintains balance? 
obviously he doesn't he just becomes dark side and then eventually brings back balance of the forest for like 10 years and, <laughs> <laughs> and um anyway anyway my point is i think there is something out there that could be bigger than one of the two sides of the force bendu ben his name is bendu bendu okay so we've yeah. got bendu we've got the father we have precedent for these neutral force beings mm -hmm. and i would be interested to see if they give us another one or if they have perhaps the father come back for mm -hmm. something i don't know it'd be interesting okay i kind of don't want to see bendu in live action i think he would look kind of silly okay fair enough cool but the father would be cool um, I, I like this idea when Shin asks him about, you know, do you miss the, the Jedi order? And he says, I miss the idea of it, but the truth and the weakness of the Jedi, I don't miss. And that's what I'm right. actually trying to stop or put an end to the right. idea though. And, and so I think it's a, it makes him for a N2, more Ben huh? do. All right. I'm done now. I'm okay. Done. I'm done. <laughs> makes Balin uh, a more three dimensional character. And again, giving us good bad guys that have motive, that have dimension, that they're not just two-dimensional flat. Right. I'm evil because I'm evil. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I do really miss the order and I miss the camaraderie and I miss my friends. But you know what? The whole thing was effed and it, it deserves to be uh, broken down. And yeah, we've got to get past this cycle and this inve inevitability of the cycle uh, of society. Mm -hmm. And again, in you know, to to comp uh, foundation and Dune, these are also the same, some of the same themes that those two properties are dealing with, and Wheel of Time, obviously. Mm -hmm. That you know, we as a species, we're just going to keep repeating these cycles until we learn some lesson. Just like an individual, I'm I'm going to keep encountering the same difficulties in my life, or circumstances, or or things that I got to figure out. And then when I learn that and I go, oh, I got the lesson, now I can move on to the next thing. And so I, it's interesting that Balin is trying to not learn the lesson of the moment. And this is maybe his bad guy flaw. What's the lesson we need to learn? And then how can we apply that and move forward? Instead, he's like, nah, the whole thing's messed up. We just mm -hmm. got to cut it off from the source. And I got to go back to quote unquote, right. the beginning. That's it's Daenerys, right? It's Daenerys saying, I don't want to turn the wheel. I want to break the wheel. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 We're, we're going to pull in every single property Everything. we've ever watched this time. It's, it's great. So one piece. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I just want to say quickly, I could listen to Ray Stevenson say, Stevenson say inevitable all day, like over <laughs> and sure. over again. It, he says it so with so much contempt. <laughs> and his watch his face and his eyes and his eyebrows. He's such a masterful. He's he's done so many shows and movies and stuff. His physicality is just down to a, a perfect like his little eyebrow raise and his little eye twitches. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so quickly, uh, something that I noted when Thrawn says, you know, okay, you, you can follow at your leisure and then and then destroy them. He doesn't say kill them. He says destroy them. But Balin kind of is like, yep, I'm going to go. But he kind of shrugs his shoulder in a way, which is like, God, I, I really don't want to do this. Yeah. And it was the same, a similar reaction when Ahsoka fired up her lightsabers. And he's just like, uh, do we have to really? And he, this is the my head, head thought on this is that 
he views this as a waste. It's a waste of effort. It's a waste of talent. Why do we have to yep, yep. D- to do this? I'm gonna go kill Ezra and uh, and Sabine because I have to because that you know my my bigger goal, which supersedes your goal. I can't get to that until I I got to use your goals to be able to achieve my goal. So yeah, I'll go do it, but I really don't want to. And and I think that's a really again giving his character more depth than complexity. Right. And, you know, I, I think that basically he sees the whole order to kill them mm-hmm. as part of the cycle, right? Yes, this exactly. Is just exactly. Another dark side. Yep. Okay. The dark side wants me to kill the light side. Fine. <sighs> Fine. I'll go do it. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a drag. It's going to kick would, his feet the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to see. His, like a little an animated like one animated um story of how he escapes order 66 he his had bed, his best friend kellerin got him out you know that would be so cool <laughs> <laughs> just in a total fan servicey way that like is complete yeah. you know uh serial yeah, he just got Ahmed best coming in we gotta get out of here buddy <laughs> <laughs> that's great and then uh, you got you got Ray Stevenson use the AI to recreate his voice. Please don't actually do that, but go how inevitable. Yeah, <laughs> inevitable. Just, yes, a young one. Um, interesting about Shin and what he says here. First, that she can't see past the cycle. She's like, "Oh, master, it's our turn to be in charge." And he's like, "No, girl. There's there's a bigger thing that we're we're out after." So th- I thought that was interesting. And he says that she's not a Jedi. She's not being trained to become a Jedi. And right. he uses this phrase, Boken Jedi, not broken, Boken, B-O-K-K-E-N. And that, if you remember, we talked about in episode one, a Boken uh-huh. Is, uh-huh. Uh, means wooden sword in Japanese. And that's the sword that Sabine was using uh, when she was training with um, uh, Ahsoka at the beginning. So he's mm. calling these Jedi who the who are being trained in the wild. He calls them a, as a class, as a category, Boken Jedi, which I think is Filoni making new canon for us right here before our very eyes. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't give us blue milk though, and uh, <laughs> cereal <laughs> with cereal. Fine. I mean, I I don't know. I I would take the blue milk over this. <laughs> Should we talk about Sabine and Ezra? Let's do it. And Sabine's stupid people decisions. <laughs> <laughs> she has made a bunch of stupid person decisions. Although this episode, I thought fewer stupid person decisions than I. I just in can't. I hate, I hate the oh, I, not right now. I don't want to explain to you right now what's going well, on. That there's no time. That's not. That's not what she's doing there, though. That's not. There's no time. That's. I'm embarrassed. Give me a minute to uh to enjoy this moment before you hate me oh that's interesting i hadn't thought that i just got caught up in the device of of um uh, i'm not going to tell you fear to of tropes yes exactly rule but you it, it, and fear it, leads to anger it does David. it does um, i'm no, angry I, when i, I didn't read it like that, that at all i didn't read it like that she's interesting she's, okay she cool. begged him she went can you just let me be happy that i found you please that's a really good point that's a really that good was point. not a timing thing that was that was absolutely a. Uh, I have something I have to tell you that you're gonna hate. <laughs> I don't want to do it yet. I gotta take a minute here to collect myself before yeah. I break this bad news to you. Yeah, right. that's a really good interpretation. Thank you. I, I appreciate the uh, insight. 
Good thing. Yeah, no, I, I I didn't read it at all like a timing thing. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm interested in in how you got there. Anyway, right. go on. Uh, well, no, I I think that's it. Um, I I I have to. I'm curious though too. They keep playing with this idea of uh, Sabine being able to use the Force and then not doing it, and mm-hmm. it just made me think of how many kids out there, when whenever they first encountered their their Star Wars experience, you know, be it from 77 all the way up through now, where you sat in your room or you sat in the back of the car or or what have you, and you stretched out your hand and you stretched out your feelings and you tried <laughs> to use the force. And I just, every time Sabine does it, I'm reminded of myself as a kid trying to do the same thing. And it's See, like, my generation was waiting for our Hogwarts letters. That was really oh, the, uh, got the, it. the equivalent of millennials. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. What did you think of Ezra? Oh, I thought it was a great, great portrayal. I like uh-huh. how he had a beard to show the passage of time. Right. No. <laughs> he grew. But, he grew up. Yeah, yeah he, did, he did grow up. I did like that. And uh, people were complaining that he doesn't have bluish, purplish hair. I didn't eh. care. I didn't, I didn't even notice until somebody pointed it out. Because, okay. I, mean, I mean, Rebels was very stylized, and it's perfectly fine to just say, nah, he had black hair the whole time. Mm-hmm. Fine. Fine. Yeah, Just yeah I thought I thought he was a great portrayal. The voice was very accurate, I thought, and his mm-hmm. demeanor. Uh, I knew I could count on you. You know, he's kind of goofy. He's right. not. He's very earnest. He's not. He's not this cool guy. He uh, he kind of is just this like goofball who happened to be a decent schemer. I think it's an interesting thing for a uh, challenge for an actor because we have you know how many minutes of uh Ezra and we see Ezra age on the mm-hmm. in the animated series yeah he grows up a lot yeah yeah but to and then often i mean if 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 you, if a person who has kids or we've been around other families and we've seen little kids come into big kids and maybe you don't see the kid for a while and then they're like a senior in high school and you're like holy mother how did that happen Right. And you can still see the little kid, little vestiges of that little kid, but they're a new person. They're a different person in so many ways. And I thought that this portrayal of Ezra landed for me in that regard. I could see little echoes of animated Ezra, but he's a he's a man now. He's a different person now. And he's got thoughts and ideas and all kinds of stuff that are different from when he was a young kid. And I thought they really I don't know. It, it worked well for me. Yeah, I thought so too. And and I like that he was amongst the Harfoots, and they they all accepted <laughs> him as one of them, and he can exactly. speak their language. It was yeah. it was cute. It was good. Um, and and again, speaking of uh, you know, well, he's an orphan and a child soldier. Uh, and so we've got a mm-hmm. lot, of, and and along with Sabine, right? So we've got a lot of a trauma. We got a basket of right. trauma here. Right. And Sabine, I guess, has been implied to be orphaned during the gap between Rebels and now. Right. Right. So what do we've got? Uh, Iman Efandi, is that his name? I don't know how to pronounce that's, that at all. <laughs> yes, I believe. <laughs> I apologize if I, I got that that incorrect, but that's the actor. So that's very, very cool. Yeah, I don't know him. A great from, job. Yeah. I don't know him from prior work. Me either, but yeah, I think I think they did a good job de-aging him a little bit for the transmission, which of course is much easier to de-age someone when you have right. a hologram in Star Wars, yeah. right? Um, and that's fine, you know, do that, that's fine. Yeah. But the I'm glad that they let him be older here. They didn't try to make him look completely like a teenager. 
Yeah. I love the scene with uh, Sabine and Thrawn, where Thrawn is saying to her, you're gambling with the fate of your galaxy just to find your buddy. Okay. Yep. That works yep. for me. <laughs> yeah. He's, right. he's like, you help me with my cause. I'll help you with yours. Sure. Yeah. I mean, of course, he's got a backup plan, which is we're going to you know, use you to find Ezra, which of course mm-hmm. is what he was going to do. You know, I mean, I don't know why she would think that he would do anything else but follow her. Right. And I, I think, you know, people have been like, well, why didn't he kill Ezra? Why, you know, how is he, you know, all this time he doesn't know where he is, et cetera, et cetera. I think Thrawn's been busy doing other stuff and Ezra, Ezra hasn't been a threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, they've just been busy elsewhere. So I'm, I'm fine with the fact that Sabine, yeah, okay, it's a show. She found him in one episode. I'm fine. You know, like none of that bothers me. We're, we're just right, holding space. Right. And we're moving forward with the story, and we wanted Ezra and Thrawn to be together in one episode. That ha- there's some efficiency to that. There's some emotionality to that. It, you know, there's nothing that breaks verisimilitude for me, at least in this. In, no, me either. In the way and, this and rolls out, I like. I don't remember who said this on our Discord, but somebody said when when somebody said, "I don't know how she they found him." In one episode, somebody said, well, did you want another episode of filler? And I think that's right. fair, right? Do yep. you mm-hmm. want her to wander the desert for an episode? I don't I don't think that would have been satisfying. I think that's right. I yeah. think it's fine. We are watching TV. We are watching TV, guys. <laughs> right. We don't have to have it's we're not playing the Oregon Trail game. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's let's enjoy oh, ourselves man. a little. Talk about bit. trauma. Talk about trauma. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, the, uh, the scene too, of her writing the howler away from the night sister tower was a real nice mirror to her writing her speeder bike away from the tower in Lothal. Right. Yep. Um, I, I think that's right. And then the, the fight with these nomads who are very, their armor is very samurai inspired, but also who were Snoke's, um, guard, yeah, these royal guards. I don't remember their name, but yeah, I, I think that's that's similar. Yeah, yeah. So there's just just a vibe going on there, but yeah, the very much looking like uh, imperial samurai from feudal Japan. Uh, that that armor, but I do have to say that that little fight. Um, and I wanted. Th- I've got some more. I want to talk about the fight, but the just the way that those nomads operated was very m- felt very Tuscan to me. Uh, with the 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 gaffer get or what are their sticks called i forget Bant, um oh oh hell uh anyway just it, it the way they were making sounds and doing stuff it, it just echoed uh, uh tuscan in a lot of ways yeah yeah so um but i did want to point my finger at something which i thought was interesting during the fight She's using a lot of Mandalorian skills and tactics. She doesn't have her helmet on, right? So that's yep. a little bit nerve wracking. Yep. But she's using her her forearm guards and and taking mm-hmm. shots, intentionally taking shots right. here and there. But she's not able to make any significant progress in winning the fight using her Mandalorian skills. And then the moment that she switches tactics and goes into Jedi skills, she does make a lot of progress. So during this space battle, when they were checking out the eye of uh, Scion, right? It was mm-hmm. Ahsoka said, okay, you, you lead, right? Use your Mandalorian skills. And she uses her Mandalorian skills to great effect. Yeah. Yeah. And now she's using her Jedi skills 
to affect. So it's, it's an interesting thing that they're playing with is what is the most effective uh, tactic for her? And in, can she find wholeness and use both Mandalorian and Jedi seamlessly? I think that what I read from this scene was that these bandits had had a lot of practice fighting stormtroopers and dodging bullets and interesting shooting them. They've That's never a very come cool across theory. a lightsaber I hadn't before. That. Yeah, I like that. Because why would they, right? Ezra didn't have his. They've never yeah. fought a lightsaber before. They yeah. probably went, holy shit, what is this? And they, they you know, well, they even the no one defense dude, against it. <laughs> when she cuts up his stick at the end, the dude's just like, oh, hell. <laughs> and he just runs away. Um, yeah, I think they were taken. I think you're absolutely right. They were taken aback. Yeah, I think I think that's what they're going for there. They could have been more explicit about it, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I think it works. I think it works. Uh, and then I think the last thing I wanted to say about Sabine is that when she's yelling at the howler, uh, calling it a, a coward and, a, and accusing it of abandoning her, I, I got it was clearly um, what Ahsoka, you know, what she might be thinking, what Ahsoka might say to her. Right. You know, playing out the conversation in your head, um, because that's kind of what she did to Ahsoka. Right. She, right. she ran away. Well, she I don't know, because she thought Ahsoka was dead. Right. Yeah, but she, uh, yeah, you know, it just that the whole thing, she didn't shoot the map when she had the chance, you know. Yeah, um, but I, I guess if she thinks Ahsoka's dead, she might just be like, well, I'm going to do what I need to do for me now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's the same because even in the battle, Ahsoka tried to help her and she said, no, you go ahead. You sure you go uh, fight your own battle. But it wasn't abandonment. I, I don't agree. I don't agree, okay. actually. I'm going to push Interesting. back. Well, I, okay. Um, you know, maybe it's that she's dealing with her own feelings of guilt uh, about, you know, and and it's more generalized and less specific, but you know, I I mean, that was pretty harsh calling it a coward and, and and, and saying you abandoned me. Yeah. Especially in in a situation where that's a big boy. He probably could have fought off a lot of those people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they probably also know how to fight a howler. Those na- right. nomads, I mean, they, right? And they, they ride. It seems like, yeah, yeah, they ride them yeah. as well. So, all right, cool. All right. Any any final thoughts you want to wrap up with? I really like the episode. I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes next. I think that Thrawn being back is awesome. I don't think Thrawn makes it back to the main galaxy. Ooh. I think that that is the goal here, Ooh. and I think it's the goal is to explain why wasn't he involved with the first order. Uh huh, and, and, and that would be a pretty easy explanation is leaving him behind. And in the Mandalorian, we had set up for it because Moff Gideon was uh, in council with other uh, Imperial remnants and they're talking about the return of Thrawn. So obviously they were probably in communication with Morgan who says, yeah, I've got some communication and we're going to try and bring him back. Um, so they're preparing for him. But yeah, we don't see him in other things. Right. Yeah. So that's a really good. Interesting. Good theory. Right. They have to somehow explain why he's not involved with the First Order. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Um, should we do some feedback? I would love to. All right. You want to take us through? Sure. Marilyn Arpaquila writes in to hey, Marilyn. Star Wars at the Lorehounds.com, <laughs> which is, of course, where you can write in or you can go to the contact form on the Lorehounds.com. She says, Hello, Lorehounds. Thanks so much for parsing out all the between the world scenes. It really helped clear my confusion in response to your invoking my name over your concern about how to describe Anakin at this point. You later hit upon exactly what I would have said. He's just like Ged 
having named his shadow and owned it. Anakin is now whole so that nothing can rule him, even as he still contains all that he was, good and bad. Ahsoka needs to do a similar work uh, to confront and accept the trauma of her training as a child soldier, knowing that she need not follow that path all her life and to face her own darkness without fearing that she will become another Vader. As you said, she appears to have gone a long way down that road. I don't think I've seen her smile so much after she was clothed in white. I was uh, also interested that this was the second time that somebody had confronted Vader and ended the paddle by dropping their lightsaber. Her statement, I choose to live, is something that Luke could have said at the same moment of his life. Could not have said. Sorry, there's a uh, there. Could not have said at this moment of his life uh, with the Emperor standing close by, but the effect and the outcome were the same for both of them. What do you think about that, this? It's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I did not connect the two, but mm-hmm. uh, that seems to be the... <laughs> The winning move against Vader is just to not fight him at all because no one's going to defeat him in hand to hand. I I love there was a bunch of comments too after last episode online in various places just um, complimenting. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking the name. Christian, um, who plays Anakin? Help me, help me, Obi. Uh, Hayden Christensen. You're, hey, you're thank you, Hayden it. Christensen. Strike that, reverse it. Thank you. Uh, just how good Hayden Christensen is with a sword that you know his little backspin move and all that kind of stuff his physicality he's just vader anakin vader was just a swords master yes period you're not gonna defeat him no because no one else had years of clone wars experience (laughs) from the time and was the most powerful midichlorian holder i guess of all time (laughs) yeah it, it, you just, it's just no one's going to defeat Vader, and I'm glad that they keep that as a recurring theme. Right? Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. is he is unbeatable? Don't even fucking try it. <laughs> you know, like don't, don't go near don't. him. Don't yeah. try it. The only yeah. way you defeat him is to get him to join your side. And I think the only one who was able to kind of defeat him was uh, Obi Wan in during the 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 TV show. Right? There was that one battle that they had where he was able to. Yeah. But I think he was outsmarting but, him more with tactics rather right, than Right, yeah, straight he, he got him behind a flame wall. That was right. basically it. It wasn't yeah. that he like if Vader had gotten near him again, he would have been dead. Right. Yeah. I might have to, we might have to go back and watch that. Yeah. Uh she continues, more a uh, small wonder that Ahsoka has had uh, such a hard time teaching uh, considering her own past learning experience. There are certainly plenty of war around with in which uh, to teach a padawan how to be a warrior. Uh, but Sabine already knows all that with the exception of specific techniques related to lightsabers and such. So what is it that Ahsoka is supposed to teach Sabine? Mm. I think it has much more to do with relating to one's own shadow and particularly to forgiving oneself from one's own mistakes. To my mind, redemption lies in really knowing that you are more than your worst actions. Ooh. Yeah. And Marilyn Anakin was, right? It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like this reading here. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It, it's, we, you know, in our, in our modern context, we talk a lot about restorative justice and, you know, it starts with acknowledgement, right. And acknowledging that uh, there was a transgression or something bad has happened. You got to look at the impact, what, what really happened and how did it affect people? But then you got to do some work, right? You got to do some restoration work. And, uh, but it doesn't start, none of that can start until you can find the grace in yourself in that moment 
um, to be able to realize, as Marilyn says, that you are more than your worst actions. So that's a beginning. That's a beginning, which Balin is seeking. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think Balin, Balin is uh, certainly more <laughs> than just a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she finishes up in response to something that Alicia said. I find that the mechanism of Foundation space travels is quite different from anywhere else. I think of it as jumps versus driving on highways. The jumping from point to point is not the same thing as having to travel at incredibly fast speeds. I think both methods of travel are viable, useful, and interesting, as well as each having its own form of limitations that I have that have to be overcome. I think that Asimov's version is closer to the real-world scientific concept of folding space, which uh, that series demonstrates quite nicely. Whereas in Star Wars and Star Trek, you have a vehicle that can go really, really, really fast. Faster than current science believes is possible. This requires special types of fuel, something else that doesn't really ever get spelled out in the Foundation series. Looking forward to the next episode, Marilyn. Yeah, you know, the only other place I've seen folding space and this kind of jumping is um, in the Starfield video game that just came out. And okay. so they, they took that from Foundation or from real world science or something. But it, mm -hmm. it's certainly not the main thing that people use in science fiction, which is usually really, really, really fast. Right, right. It's interesting in the Dune world, um, Herbert never really resolves. And I don't, I haven't read the auxiliary stuff. I haven't read the stuff that his son has produced and or written uh, himself. So I don't know how uh, in those other books, if there's answers to this question, but in the, in the, at least in the first original three core books, um, Herbert, Frank Herbert never explains how in Dune, in the Dune world, they fold space. He just talks about the navigators use space to navigate space and to navigate right. a way through right. safely. So to get around, you know, obstacles, black holes, stars, quasar, whatever, you know, objects that celestial bodies that might be out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So there's, yeah, it's interesting uh, in the milieu of, of how we get around. Yeah. I like the really, 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 really fast. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, thanks, Marilyn. Always, always a pleasure to speak to you about this um, stuff. We'll be looking forward to getting some more mythic insights from this episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Loremaster Eric F. writes in by email. Hi, guys. Firstly, regarding the trivia question I sent in last week, Lars's occupation was never mentioned in the original trilogy. It did not get mentioned in a movie until episode two. That's interesting. When Anakin returned to Tatooine for his mother. Watto tells him that he sold her to a moisture farmer named Lars. At least I think it was Lars. I was surprised that John didn't catch this, the prequel apologist that he is. Yeah, but I kind of hate <laughs> episode two. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. He who but apologizes. Yeah, he who apologizes for Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> um, yeah, I, episode two has decent parts. I, I don't know if the tattooing parts are the best part uh, with Watto and and his nonsense. But it's yeah. interesting. That's interesting That's that it was never mentioned because for me as a child of 77, I, I just seem to know that. I don't know why I know that. I don't know where I learned it. It just seemed to be within the body of knowledge that was mm. downloaded into our seven, eight, nine-year-old brains at the time, right? Maybe. That there's just dry, whatever. And um, wasn't... Um, oh, what was... Oh, my gosh. Uh, my, my, my old man brain... Um, main character of Rogue One, 
Uh, yeah, Cassian or or um, what's her name? What's her name? That's <laughs> what, <laughs> we're not going to get this. Jin Urso. Jin Urso. Uh, Ga- wasn't Galen Urso? Weren't they moisture farming too? Oh, could be. Could be. Maybe that's that, at it. least the vibe that I got from there. So Let's anyway. See. Let's see. If only we had something that we could look up. <laughs> Instantly put in a search and, I know. and get an answer. I know. If only we had something like Wikipedia. Um, we have uh, time on that exile planet or whatever. <laughs> um, get, or you is, could just search for a Galen They or are so. simple farmers, it says. Simple farmers. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, right. I don't I don't know. We'd have to rewatch the movie to see if they specify. I'd happily rewatch that movie. So I and no, I'm I never watching that again. Times. I hate that movie. I'm just kidding. I, it's, a, it's a great movie. It's a great you movie. You could feel I could feel a disturbance in the in the, in the force. <laughs> the emails were starting to hit our way. Right. Right. All right. Uh, now on to my thoughts on the next episode, the latest episode. I agree that in general, each episode has been getting progressively better. I had a thought that I wanted to get your guys thoughts on. Since Ahsoka seems to be going more towards the ethereal side of the force, do you yep. think that we'll see or hear a mention of the father, brother, or and sisters? As Maybe. you may recall, the brother represented the dark side of the force, the sister the light side, while the father represented the balance between them. Also, the sister spirit does now reside within Ahsoka, so I see it as a distinct possibility that they will at least be referenced, even if vaguely. Uh, th- let's just pause there. That is because in the Mortis arc, Ahsoka dies for a second and the sister gives up her life. The daughter gives up her life to restore her life. Interesting. To restore Ahsoka. So I guess, yeah, her life force is within Ahsoka. Okay. Um, cool. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't we see a mural of the, the Trinity? Yeah. In, not just in Rebels, but in the opening episode in that temple. Uh, no, there were figures, there were Dathomiri, um, uh, sort of night sister inspired figures. And I think they mirror the big statues that we see on, um, on, uh, Paradia here, Mm. which I loved when they came out of the clouds and there was just that face in the coming out, you know, through, through the cockpit window. I think it was those that we were seeing. I did too think that those were. At first, going to be um, father, uh, brother, sister from the mural from the from the animated series, but I yeah, it, it quickly yeah. showed to be different. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, so yeah, I would I would be down to hear more about them. I think that that would be a cool thing to explore. I'm a Mortis arc apologist more than I am a prequel apologist. Honestly, <laughs> I think it's great. I think it adds to the canon of the Star Wars Force mythology, right. and I I hope that they go deeper into it. So anyway, uh, thanks, Eric, for writing in. Always a great time to talk to you. Cassia W. writes in via email. Hi, guys. I've been catching up on your Ahsoka coverage and would like to offer another real-world example of some post-rebellion political dynamics the show is exploring. Some have criticized the New Republic government for keeping so many ex-imperials in former positions, but this seems very realistic to me and reminds me of the post-apartheid period in South Africa in the 1990s. The new incoming government had to keep a lot of apartheid-era government officials in place as they had the skills and the know-how to keep the government functioning. This created an uncomfortable tension in which the apartheid-era officials were unhappy to be serving under people they had been told were the enemy for decades, and the new government didn't fully trust them not to sabotage their efforts. 
It also rings true that good rebellion leaders don't automatically make good governing leaders, as they can require very different skill sets. And many of the old school leaders in the apartheid resistance didn't last long or opted not to partake in the new government. This is a, a side note. Oh, yeah, ahead. I was just going to say, this is a really good point. I mean, how many times have we seen in countries that are going through a civil war, a rebellion, or a coup where, uh, say, a military leader takes control of the of the country and they're a great military leader, but they're a terrible civilian, you know, right, uh, right, administrator. Right. Um, and I and I think we we see this in uh, in a lot of ways. There was a big conversation following the invasion of Iraq, uh, where the Baathist regime party officials and and civil and and bureaucratic functionaries were all driven out, and that actually crippled the ability for the country to. Um, regardless of what you want to say about the American attempts at managing the civilian infrastructure, it just led to a more and more chaotic situation because those functionaries, those bureaucratic functionaries were taken out. You had to be a member of the party to have those jobs. So, But then we were like, well, the party is our enemy, so they're out Mm -hmm. and all of those people got to go. Well, now we don't have anybody who knows how to repair the water or source the, the parts, you know, to get the sewer line running again or to- But it's institutional knowledge. Exactly. You really need to figure out how you can get that, but not have sabotage as you're, yeah. as you're saying here. It's really tough. It's really tough. I don't envy the people who are in that position to make those determinations. Right. Yeah. And then how do you, how do you then not have something creep back in or seep in? Uh, and I think it's a, a really great storytelling work that they're doing here that they did in the Mandalorian. And now, it, you know, with, with all of this sort of world building that we can see clearly how the new order uh, arose so that when we get to the sequel movies, we're not scratching our heads. Well, how did these guys show up? What happened in the new Republic? Oh, well, th- it's clear. There's right. plenty of human there. history. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good pick, points uh, here, Cassia. Cassia. Thank you. Yeah. Cassia closed with a note that mm-hmm. for some reason, Apple Podcasts keeps unsubscribing her to our feed. So if you're listening to this, make sure that you're subscribed if you want future episodes. <laughs> That's yeah, all I'll say strange. Here. Yeah, I, I, I wrote back uh, Cassia as well to, to let her know, but um, that, you know, we see downloads, we don't see subscriptions, but yeah, you know, always, and you can always go to the website to check to see if there's um, fresh episodes because everything auto populates to, um, to our website. Yep. So, well, thanks so much for writing in. And yeah, lastly, I hope to hear from you soon again. Yes. And I hope that you stay subscribed. Uh, lastly, <laughs> uh, Kim M. Can I, in. I need Go to ahead. interject really quickly. Kim, this is a message for you. <laughs> I got your foundation email. Uh, so just so people know, she wrote in to, to get a season wrap feedback that we just recorded the other night with Maester Anthony and Marilyn. It was a really great conversation. We talk about Hittites and Sumerians and the Roman cult and all kinds of fun stuff. Anyway, Kim tried to get some feedback in. Uh, It went to the wrong email address. It bounced. She didn't realize it. So Kim, I'm just acknowledging I did get your email, uh, but we didn't get it in time for the recording. So uh, thank you for sending in your thoughts. It's, it's, uh, I think Kim sent it to foundation at the lorehounds.com, which is not an email address. It's empire at the lorehounds.com. But maybe for season three, we'll, we'll make a foundation email anyway, just in case. Yeah, people, I think so. Yeah, just in case yeah. people uh, put it in automatically. Make an, e- an alias for that so that it comes through. But anyway, and, and to, to Kim and to everyone, again, 
Yeah, and then Kim's been using the contact form on the website a lot. But remember, you can always go into the show notes on your podcast reader and the links are all there. So the appropriate mm-hmm. email is there. The links to the Discord are there. The links to the website are there. So that's always a good fallback for you. Anyway, thanks, uh, Kim, for writing in. John, please continue. Kim writes, hi, David and John. Hi, Kim. The latest episode is my favorite so far. I felt some strong Dune vibes. Yes. Especially with the music and sound, the pacing and overall feel. I'm loving as a as a fan right now for a science fiction and fantasy fan. We are living in a world, an abundance of riches or, in a, you know, just there's mm-hmm. so much going on. Mm-hmm. And it's I love that Tolkien, Herbert, Asimov. Filoni, right? You know, uh, all of these stuff are are all talking to each other. So yeah, yep. I'm just it's yep. super geek time. And since Brian P. Loremaster asked me to do the impression of uh, the uh, <laughs> the Joey from Friends, Dune, oh. <laughs> I guess I guess I'll do it here. How you doing? Hey. How you doing? All right, all right. Is that is that good enough? Was that but, Joey? Okay. How you doing? There, that's better. He's got a little bit How more you of a doing? youthful. How you doing? How you doing? All right, all right. Acting, I did, I, I did my best. Best I can do, Brian P. Hey, is it? Are you going to have a? Uh, what was Barry's acting teacher? Uh, um, Kusinow. Is this the <laughs> the John Lorehound school of acting? <laughs> no, thank you. All right. <laughs> Kim continues. Thrawn's ship docking on that tower was really cool, was and dope. I love the damage to the ship and the troopers' armor. Also, how they repaired certain things with gold, like that Japanese technique. Oh, there yep. you go, David. Kintsugi. There it is. Uh, Sabine riding the Loth Wolf. I, I guess, yeah. So it the does howler. look kind of like a Loth Wolf, yep. the Howler. Uh, reminded me of the Bishop Claw Becky nice. from Foundation. Yeah. Nice pull. Love Becky. Uh, to Becky and her our soul, as, as they say, <laughs> as they say in Foundation. We need more frightening and lovable creatures. He was like a cross between a horse, wolf, and dark crystal muppet <laughs> oh i like it what were those yeah. dark crystal things they were striders i think they i don't know called? i never watched it i know what you're talking about i've seen like the images but i've not uh-huh. i've not been a dark crystaller um yeah what were they you keep reading and i'll look it up real quick all right kim says i want to see more of the sentient well-dressed hermit crabs too i was excited about this show and i consume all star wars with a bowl of cereal in my pajamas but i have been <laughs> pleasantly surprised they can all be Andor, but Ahsoka is quickly becoming one of my favorites. Thank you all for your hard work uh, and coverage of these shows. Hey, thanks for listening, Kim, because it's always more fun when we yeah. can chat with you via feedback. Yeah, and Kim's been writing in a lot. So thanks, Kim. I appreciate it. Um, the Dark Crystal things were called Land Striders, which is not all that original of a name. So they're kind of a weird bat <laughs> well, neither is Loth Wolf, So let's not, yeah, let's not give true. Star Wars too much credit Loth-cat. either. Loth right. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Well, David, I think that's it for feedback. Yes. Ready for some show notes? I guess so. Some uh, talking about what's going on with us and our affiliates. What's been going on with us is just (laughs) triple coverage, triple blessings. Um, Yes. We just did our season wrap for Foundation. Like I said, we had uh, Maester Anthony and Marilyn on. That was the first time we had those two on a podcast together. It's truly a new world. Really awesome conversation. So when you have two academics uh, who have deep knowledge of human history and mythology, it got really interesting. Hittites and Sumerians and the yeah Ro- Roman emperor cults and stuff. So that was a lot of fun. So that should be 
out sometime around when this comes out. I don't know what you've got planned for that, but it's coming. Yeah, soon. It, it will have come. <laughs> yeah, um, and also with you. Uh, <laughs> and we're carrying on with uh, Wheel of Time. We just uh, got access to episode six, so that coverage will have also been released sometime around the same time as this. Yep. It's interesting it's to see our, around. Uh, our download numbers are these huge spikes on the weekends right now. And then it I know, the I week. know. Yeah, because we got everything um, coming out the same days. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, but we're doing Wheel of Time, and boy, yeah, I can't say anything about Wheel of Six, but it was, uh, whew, that was a hell. It was of a an ride. Episode. It was wow. a ride in a good way. I think. Yeah. I think the season's going very well. But uh, yes, yes. Once we get through these next couple of shows, we'll have a better picture. October is going to be another little bit of a crazy month, um, but we're going to have a. Second breakfast out soon, really quick for our Patreon subscribers. That's our exclusive podcast for folks where John and I just sort of talk about life and talk about uh, our podcast and we answer our listener feedback. This this month uh, for our second breakfast, we always have a movie and a breakfast topic that we talk about. So it's going to be about toast and there's already a, lo- a vigorous conversation about how toast should be prepared on our Discord <laughs> uh, channel for our patrons. And we're going to be watching the Andromeda Strain and talking about that movie for our Old Man Movie uh, Marathon. And the next month for October, John, you've got a whole bunch of spooky movies that we're going to cover, one, oh, yeah. which we will. I will pick three, and then subscribers get to pick the movie that we watch and then talk about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We also, so, I mean, we have plenty of great stuff coming in October. We just announced on the Foundation podcast we're going to be talking to Bear McCreary, Yes. Uh, so we have right. plenty of plenty of good stuff coming and uh, we're really excited for Loki more in October. Yep. Loki. Yeah, we've got Loki season two is going to come up and then we're trying to work out um, some coverage of the movie, The Creator, which looks pretty interesting. Uh, we'll do a one shot on that, hopefully. And then we've got, um, well, we should talk about Alicia right now. Uh, and I don't want to spill too much because she hasn't fully announced it yet, but there's going to be coverage of the. Uh, the Netflix uh, series, The Fall of the House of Usher. So, yep, yep. Look for that is going to get covered, and we will have more updates. Specifically, Alicia's uh, got some solid stuff going for that. At the same time, she's recalibrating her wool shift dust feed. It was going to be very Dune focused, but then how the you movie, doing? How All you? Right. <laughs> All right. That's better. That was better. I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to work on it. Okay. I want to only hear your wife after like a week of you working on it. She's gonna, <laughs> she's yeah. Like, Come on to the podcast. Sorry, John, I had to murder my husband. Right. Because, um, anyway, so she's going to recalibrate her Dune coverage, but she's still got the book um, club going on for the books, the Wool Shift Dust books on Silo. So hang tight as she gets around for that. And then we've got Properly Howard Movie Review. That's Anthony and his buddy Steve, who is a stand-up comic. And they do movie reviews. And this season of coverage uh, for their shows, they're doing remakes. So they've had stuff like White Men Can't Jump and RoboCop. Um, They just did The Departed, the 2006, which is a remake of a movie called Infernal Affairs, which is out of the Hong Kong um 90 mid 90s uh uh film i don't know what do you call it a moment in time kind of okay. thing okay but um the departed which is a great tour de force of mark Wahlberg and um oh what's his name uh, uh god I'm, i can see it martin sheen and uh um oh what's his name baldwin alec baldwin and and a whole bunch of people 
Um, and that's a really good conversation uh, that Anthony and Steve have. And they really go into some depth and, and it's, it's interesting. It was less of a funny episode, but it was a really interesting episode. So they've got uh, the 1991 remake Cape Fear coming up and then they're going to do the thing uh the 1982 version and then they're going to wrap up the season with uh the sorcerer in the uh, 1977 remake so it's a great stuff. time over there i've been listening it it's 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 a lot of fun so definitely go check that out and uh we'll be over here answering the question how you doing <laughs> well how are our patrons doing john they're doing very well because we've got plenty of lore masters. We've got 30 of them right now. Amazing. And we like to thank them every single episode. They are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, and Aaron T. Oof. How long until this adds 10 minutes to the podcast? <laughs> I tell you what. And and you don't want to do the sped up one, right? Where No, everybody gets their moment in the sun. That's right. That's right. Um, thank you guys all so much for your ongoing support. It really it's great. Uh it, it just it keeps there are times when we're doing triple coverage and doing all the other stuff that we're doing in life. And then we think about our subscribers and we're like, yeah, right. You yeah. know, this is why yeah. we're here is for, for you guys. And so it keeps the hyperdrive running. That's right. <laughs> it keeps the crystals in our lightsabers. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm just going to stop myself. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. Thank you. Patrons. <laughs> we will have plenty for you in October. I think we're going to have a great uh, last couple of months of the year. And uh, looking forward to chatting more with you, David. May the force be with you. And also with you. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening.